Welcome to the Timeout Bulls podcast driven by Lexus. You can visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the outspoken 2017 Lexus IS. Hi, this is Chuck Swirsky and our guest today is Chris Collins. Now, I first met Chris when he was a teenager. That's right, a teenager when he was the ball boy for the Chicago Bulls when his dad was the head coach of the Bulls. And then all of a sudden you fast forward and Chris Collins is Illinois High School Player of the Year. He's off to Duke, has a celebrated career under Mike Krzyzewski, becomes an assistant coach under Coach K, and now, of course, the head coach at Northwestern. And he has seen it and done it all from a very early age. So let's join our conversation with Chris Collins, the head coach of the Wildcats of Northwestern. And we're on the campus of Northwestern and joined by the head coach, Chris Collins. Chris, in a very short period of time, folks, has changed the culture, the identity, and a lot of great things are happening on the campus here in Evanston that we're going to get into today. And Chris, thanks for joining us, by the way. And we want to talk about a lot of different chapters of your life, but let's let's go back to your Bulls chapter. <laughs> and let's start as a kid. Your dad's the head coach. How old were you when your dad was the head coach? I was 13 years old. I just had started my seventh grade year and uh, couldn't have been more excited. You know, that was Michael coming off the 63-point game in the playoffs against Boston. And we're moving to Chicago, and my dad's going to get a chance to coach Michael Jordan. So who wouldn't love that as a 13-year-old? So you're 13 years young. And yet, from September until May and June, you got to go to school. So were, were you released from school early to watch games, and how'd that evolve? Yeah, I was a ball boy. So some people, some of you guys might remember, I was the guy I would sit under the basket uh, right by the Lovables. They were still then, even though I'm old, they were still there that, at that time. And anytime the guys would fall on the court, I would sprint out there, and I would leave school at, right after school and, and usually come to the games with my mom because my dad would come early. And actually, I have a great first story. Uh, my first game with the Bulls, I'm a ball boy. I'm scared out of my mind. You know, I'm, I'm so in awe of everything that's going on. And I go to the locker room and Michael walks in and, you know, he had his routine as, as he always plays. And um, he, he, he comes in and, and I'm just kind of staring at him. I don't say anything. He takes a box of shoes out of his out of his uh, locker and he slams them like right into my chest. And I didn't know what to do with them. He didn't say anything. I thought he was giving them to me as a present. So all of a sudden, I, I take the shoes, and I, I it's a brand-new pair of Air Jordans. I, I look, go to put them in my backpack. He goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He goes, you're supposed to lace those up. I'm playing in those shoes tonight. And <laughs> I was like this kid. I couldn't have been more scared and nervous. And uh, that was my first indoctrination of Michael. And I became the guy every game that laced his shoes up and got him ready to play that night. That's a great story. Hold on. Let me just mend uh, this. There you go. Okay. Whoops. Okay. So, so here you are, you're, you're a ball boy. I mean, did it, when did it hit you that I'm around like all these NBA players? It was pretty cool, I, you know, just being there before the games and kind of in the locker rooms on the court rebounding for guys and not only the Bulls teams, but when guys would come in from other teams and you're rebounding for them. And I was always such a hoops junkie, even as a little kid. I had such a passion for the game. So for me to see... You know, the Dr. J's, the Isaiah Thomases, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, Magic, Larry, all those guys. I'm I'm kind of freaking out. Like, I can't believe I'm getting a chance to do this. And it was such a great time for me as a kid. It really formulated, 
you know, my growth in basketball. You know, it's where I learned. I, I really watched. I observed. I was one of these kids. I wasn't really good if my dad tried to tell me directly. So I learned from him by watching him coach those Bulls teams mm. and going to those practices on the weekends and being in those locker rooms and those games. I mean, that's how I learned about basketball, and that's how I grew an even deeper love for the game. Did you have to develop a, a bubble, so to speak? Because I'm sure you saw a lot and you heard a lot in that locker room. Yeah, I mean, I think because I grew up with it, my dad being a pro player, and I kind of always understood that code, you know, of the things that were said. It's a family, the, a locker room. I was always told as a kid, that's a sacred place. So so it's not like you went to your best friend in seventh yeah, grade and said, hey, yeah. you would not believe what happened last night at halftime. <laughs> I was always pretty controlled with that. And, you know, for me, again, I was really guarded because I always wanted my friends to like me for who I was and not because – they might get a chance to meet Michael Jordan or get an yep. autograph. So I was pretty guarded about that stuff and, and kept it private. And I learned from a young age to, to keep your mouth shut about that because that, that's the stuff on teams that is really sacred. But there there were some great stories that, that I still remember and laugh about to this day. What's your first recollection of your father as in the NBA environment or as a coaching environment? Mostly probably coaching the Bulls. I was too young when he played. I was just a little guy when he was on the Sixers. I don't really remember that time all that well. Uh, but him coaching in Chicago was my first recollection. And um, just watching those guys. I mean, my favorite guy was – my favorite player was Pax. You know, because obviously Jordan I loved. And, and then we had Scotty as a rookie a couple years later and Horace and all those guys. But to me, I looked at, at Pax as a guy that – I could maybe be like one day. You know, he was a hard-working guy. He could shoot the ball. He was tough, hard-nosed. So it's been funny to see our friendship kind of grow and, and, and stay in great contact because when I was growing up at that time, he was the guy I really admired and emulated. But I'm sure you've seen, obviously, uh, tape of your father when he played. Oh, yeah. You know, it's I had all uh, the old Portland series from 1977 when they went against Walton and the guys, and uh, it's been kind of fun now with YouTube. They have some of the old clips of those mm -hmm. guys, and it's fun for me. I get so much satisfaction, too, even though I was too young to remember to have people being in basketball will come up to me that either played with him, against him, and talk about what a player he was. You know, that makes me feel so good because I, I can see the clips, but when you have some of the greats come mm -hmm. up and say, man – you have no idea how good your dad was. He was one of the best guards in the league, and before he got hurt, I mean, that guy was tough to stop. He played so hard. He worked so hard. It was. It's always brings a smile to my face to hear people talk about his playing career, and and I was old enough to remember him as a coach and admire that. So it's there's never been a day that I haven't been proud of everything he's accomplished in basketball. So Chris, you you go to high school at Glenbrook North. Um, any basketball tradition at that school when you first enrolled? It was interesting. There, there wasn't, and you know, I there was a lot of people that wanted me in this area to maybe go to a more established basketball school, go to a Catholic league school, you know, go to maybe a New Trier or Evanston, which was close to us that that had a little more talent maybe at the time and more prestige and tradition. And I've always been wired differently. I think part of it goes back to. You know, being, when you're the child of a famous person, even though you're very proud of it, I think all of us, you kind of also want your own deal. You know, you, your you want your identity. own identity. Sure. You, you, you know, for me, you know, you get tired every time you read an article and it says Chris Collins, comma, son of Doug Collins. And not that I'm not proud of him, but you just, you want to, you want to forge your own path. You want to be your own guy. And so for me, going to Glenbrook North, I viewed it as a great opportunity to go somewhere 
that hadn't had any Division One college basketball players, hadn't any, had any team success. And, you know, I was making it my personal mission to, over those four years, make it a basketball school. And what was so proud for me is what we did during my time, but also for the 20 years after I was there, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more successful high school basketball program in the Chicagoland area. Have more than a dozen Division One players. Obviously, a John Shire comes through there who also goes to Duke and becomes an All-American and breaks a lot of my records, and they win a state championship. But were you the first player at a Glenbrook North to go to college? I was, as a, as a, as, yeah, in a basketball scholarship. Right. So to be kind of that trailblazer and then to see the young kids. I mean, all the, all the kids that came to our games – you know, they ended up being the ones that end up winning an, uh, a state championship, you know, 15 years later or whatever it was. And, you know, I took great pride in that because I felt like what we accomplished and to see making that a basketball community and a basketball school uh, was something that I had a big hand in. And, and I love that. And it kind of fast forward to what I took on here because it's it's always how I've been driven. It's always how I've been wired to to create my identity, blaze my own trail and try to leave my mark on the places that I go. So you have a very successful run in high school, and you're a McDonald's All-American, Illinois Bister basketball. Now you have to make a choice. Do you go away to school, uh, you're heavily recruited, or do you stay in state? Take me through that process. Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate that throughout the recruiting process, certainly my dad was was great because he'd been in the game and understood. I had a wonderful high school coach who you know, and Brian James, who ended up being a longtime NBA assistant and is with me now as my associate head coach here, who really shielded the process to keep it fun for me and to make sure that I was really focusing it on the places I was really interested in. I made some visits, had a lot of the Big Ten schools, a lot of the local schools, and at that time, uh, Duke was coming off back-to-back NCAA titles with Hurley and Leitner and Grant Hill, and you know they were kind of on top of the world at that time in, in the college basketball world. So when I came down to it, I was getting great guidance. Everybody said to follow your heart, you know, and that I was going to be the one that was going to have to live with my choice. And I was able to to go down to Durham and just my connection with Coach K. Um, we hit it off right off the bat. Uh, our relationship was was unbelievably strong. I just believed in him. I believed it was the right place for me. I got along with their guys, and it wasn't really about close versus distance. I, I wasn't really worried about that. It was about what was going to be the best for me in my life. And now looking back on it now to see where I've been, I mean, so much of what's happened to me was a result of that decision to to lock arms with Coach K as a, as an 18 year old, and uh, it's helped pave my life uh, to be here in Northwestern. What did he say? Or what did you hear that convinced you, you know what, Chris Collins is going to be a Duke Blue Deal? I just thought it was a genuineness that was there. Um, a lot of times in recruiting, there can be a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't like that. I, I just I wanted the coaches to be real and genuine and and really try to show me where I could fit in. Um, I, I just trusted him. I, I, I felt like everything he was telling me, I believed to be true. And then the main thing that did it was when I went on my visit there, the guys who were in the program, I just fit with them. You know, they, they were my kind of guys. Yeah, who showed you around? Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, my host was Bobby Hurley. <laughs> and, um, and Coach K always tells the story because, again, it goes back to what I said with being a Bulls ball boy. Because of my respect for the history of the game, when I first went on my Duke visit, like for the first two hours, they said I didn't even say a word because I walked into the first lunch and Hurley walks in, Leitner walks in, Bobby Hur- uh, Grant Hill walks in. 
And I'm looking at these guys like they're not real. You know, there's these guys I've watched win two national championships and be the best players in college basketball. And after a couple hours, I, I realized they were just guys, just like me. And uh, we got along really well. I, I really enjoyed my time with the team. I love the school. The academic component was was important to me. And it just became the right fit. And um, and, and certainly, I can't argue it. It, it became a, a great experience for me. I love my time there, which led to more than just the four years I played. It led to 13 more years as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to talk about your career at Duke and then obviously post-Duke. But let's get back to Brian James for a moment because I'm sure, you know, as, as anyone would, I mean, he's dealing with a very high caliber player in you and you're the son of a very high yes. profile coach. And so, I mean, how much did Brian rely on, okay, I am my own man, but I need to tap into the resources of the knowledge and wisdom of a Doug Collins. Well, and by the way, yeah, I'm also coaching his son. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was not an easy dynamic. And I mean, I at that point in time, I didn't realize what the dynamic. I'm just a, a young kid yeah. who's who's playing. But looking back on it now and being a coach, I could see where that wouldn't have been easy. Um, I, I always love the fact about my dad. My dad recognized from a young age. He knew that I loved the game. He knew I wanted to be good. But he recognized early that I didn't accept coaching well from him personally, directly. Why not? So I just, it was too personal. I just, it was too emotional. If he tried to tell me face to face, I just, I, I, I didn't like it. I hated it. I, you know, he was, I wanted him to be my dad, not my coach. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he recognized that really early. So he always made sure that I was around coaches that he knew were going to do the right things for me. They were going to push me. They were going to not be afraid to coach me not be afraid to get on me if need be, and were highly successful, well-knowledgeable coaches that would help me get better. And, you know, I think Coach James would be the first to tell you, like, my dad stayed away, which was great. I mean, he was living and dying at every game and sweating and just like he does now and everybody sees. And everyone always uh, talks about him at my games now. Imagine what it was like when I was playing. But uh, he he wasn't at practices. He, was, he really allowed Coach James to coach me. And I think that gave – uh, Coach James, the 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 confidence that he needed to to do the right things by me, and and really, I mean, a lot of people talk about my 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 mentors that are the most famous to me, my dad and Coach K, but Coach James, Brian James, is right there. I mean, so many of the things I learned, so many of the lessons I learned about being a good teammate, being a good guy, the game, our values that I learned from him in high school, and that's why when I got this job at Northwestern, the first guy I called was Brian James, and he was the first guy I wanted with me to to take this this on because that's how I feel about him and what he means to me. Your first year at Duke, who are some of your teammates and how did you make the transition going into a high profile position? And obviously at Duke, I mean, they're under the microscope from day one. It was a hard transition because, you know, I had been a very successful high school player. I mean, player of the year, Mr. Basketball, McDonald's, all all those things, I mean, had come my way. Uh, Things had always been pretty smooth for me. I I had never really... gone through much adversity in terms of playing and all of a sudden now as a freshman you go down there and you're walking into a team that's back-to-back national titles we had locked Christian Leitner had graduated but we still had Bobby Hurley Grant Hill Thomas Hill older really good veteran guards and perimeter guys and I didn't play much early and rightfully so I mean I wasn't I wasn't ready and do you ever pop in your brain you know what 
Maybe I should transfer. Oh, those those thoughts definitely come in. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you did I pick the right place? Is this the right spot for me? Am I going to be able to make it? And you know that. And those are the times when you always look back and you kind of lean on, you know, who what you're about, who you are. And you know, even though maybe those thoughts would cross from time to time, I never, I would always just shut them right down because Oops. to Go me. Being at Duke was where I knew I was supposed to be, and and I knew I would be a good player, but I had to keep fighting and I had to figure it out. And you know, by the end of my freshman year, I found a way. You know, I just kept practicing hard and I waited for my opportunity and ended up getting a chance in the conference to kind of crack that rotation. And you know, really from then on out, uh, you know, I became a fixture of of the program for the next three and a half years. Yeah, and and how would you capsulize, Chris, your career at Duke? I'm very proud of it. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't always easy. I mean, I had to go through a time, you know, my sophomore year was a magical year. Grand Hill was a senior. We went to the national championship game and I was a starter on that team, a double figure scorer as a sophomore. And, you know, we came up, Scotty Thurman from Arkansas hit a rainbow three on us with a minute to go to win the national title. Mm-hmm. You know, we almost won the whole thing and going to a final. I mean, those were things I dreamed about as a kid to be able to experience that was amazing. And, and then my junior year, it was the complete opposite. Coach K got sick. You know, that was the year he had to step down and take a leave of absence. Uh, our, our team imploded. We, we had a long losing streak. We went from the national championship game to not even making postseason, which for Duke standards is, is unacceptable. And I really struggled. I had a broken foot that I was coming back for. I had a horrible season and had to really figure, figure out what I was going to do going into my senior year. I mean, I was pretty much written off. Uh, we had a lot of young guys coming in, really good recruits, as Duke always has. And, you know, I really had to dig down. And what I'm probably most proud about is coming back from a really tough junior year and coming back from a senior as a senior and being an all ACC player and, you know, being a key guy and, and a guy that led a team back to the tournament from where we were the year before and kind of re, re jump, jump starting a new era of Duke basketball that led to Elton and Shane Battier and all those guys that, that then took it to another level. So I'm really proud of what I did as a player. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I put everything of myself into it. I maximized who I can be, and, and um, I love the relationships that I made with my teammates and coaches down there. The persona of, of Duke, I saw the 30 for 30 where they were talking with the Fab Five about Duke. And, you know, you would go into very hostile environments in the ACC because Duke had this aura, you know, maybe because it was Duke and you won. And, you know, there are people with the white hat and the black hat, so to speak, the good guys, the bad guys. And Duke was always the bad guys because you won. And there's envy, there's jealousy on the part of coaches, players, alums, student bodies. Um, did you ever experience that when you went on the oh, road? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was – and you know what? I loved every second of it. Did you? you? Know, I was always that way. I mean, my parents will tell you I love the stage. You know, I love and, – and I had to deal with it here. I mean, you know, for me it wasn't easy, and I look back on it now. You know, my dad had great success as a coach of the Bulls. They made, they chose to make a change, um, you know, and brought in Phil, who done, did a phenomenal job. But understand, like, the, the first couple championship years, we were still living in Chicago. And I was an acclaimed high school player. So, I mean, everywhere I went on the road in high school, you know, I had to hear it, you mm. know, about the Bulls' success. How did you handle that, Chris? Um, good and bad. I mean, I, I fueled it. 
you know, I used it as fuel to, to, as motivation to be, I was never, it never made me scared. It never made me, you know, you, you got angry at times, but you understood too. It, you know, if, if they're talking about you, if you're the focus, then you must be pretty good, you know, because they wouldn't care about you if you didn't matter. So I, I, I tried to use it the right way. I was okay at times of being that villain. Um, you know, and it just kind of magnified when you go to a place like Duke and you go on the road and, you know, people don't fully understand too, you know, the, the dynamic with Duke and North Carolina, it's a super fierce rivalry and the schools are only nine miles apart. And North Carolina is the state school. So a majority of their grads live in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Most Duke graduates are in New York City, Chicago. It's very much a national alumni base. So, you know, all those years you're down there, I mean, we're in this, we're nine miles apart. So you, you go out to a restaurant, most of the people at the restaurant are North Carolina fans and they're going to let you, they're going to recognize you and that, cause we don't have pro teams there. So, you know, I had episodes at restaurants, at movie theaters, at gas stations, you know, with my family, people dropping off packages at my door, writing stuff on the box, you know, just, wow. so, you know what, that's, you, you learn how to carry an edge. I mean, it, I mean, as a competitor, you know, I loved it because, you know, you, you always carried that chip on your shoulder, that edge, you know what, they want to beat me, but they, they're not going to beat me. I'm going to, we're going to keep this thing going. And, and I so love the fact that I was in an environment like that where every single night it was the other team's Super Bowl. You know, we had to we had to show up, or we were going to lose. It was the best crowd you were going to face. You're on national most, TV, national every night. Did, every yeah. night you're going to get the very best shot that that other team had, and and I love that. You know, and who it, was your closest friend on the team during four years? Where you just there was a bond to this day. You stay in touch, or during yeah. that four year window, Chris, where you were inseparable. You would be able to share the joys, the challenges, everything. Well, probably the guy I would say the most would be Jeff Capel. Uh, who's now the associate head coach at Duke, and we played together for three years. And uh, our relationship, he was a year younger than me, so his freshman year, and we were the starting backcourt when he was a freshman. He was a freshman, I was a sophomore. And we played with three future pros in the front court that were all old. Grant Hill, obviously, it goes without saying. Tony Lang, who's now an assistant coach with the Utah Jazz. And Cherokee Parks, mm-hmm. you know, at a seven-footer who had yeah. a long career in the NBA. That was our front line. And now you had a freshman and a sophomore backcourt on a really good team. And we kind of were the young guys that took the brunt of everything. So we had to rally around each other. And we also went through a very tough time when Coach K was sick and we had to rally around each other and kind of get it back. So I would say, you know, probably Jeff. And and then we've both got into coaching. So, you know, to be able to lean on each other. He was a successful coach at Oklahoma and VCU and is now back at Duke. And we got to work together for a year before I got here. And so he was very close. Steve Wojciechowski obviously very close friend of mine we played together we worked along side by mm-hmm. side for 13 years um, but I was fortunate I mean Grant Hills as good a guy as you could have Trajan Langdon um, special who's now the assistant general manager in Brooklyn you know so I've, I was fortunate that uh, I, I had some great teammates some great guys and, and really good friends to be able to go through the college journey with We'll be back to our guest in a moment. Let's take a quick break to thank our friends at Lexus and tell you about the new 2017 Lexus IS. Now, much like your favorite Bulls players, the new 2017 Lexus IS has a powerful stance, a strong profile, and an undeniable presence. Visit your Chicago area and Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to test drive an outspoken IS today. It proves that some of the most powerful statements don't need words at all. Now, let's get back to Time Out Bulls, driven by Lexus. 
Chris, uh, your playing days are over. You get your degree. Were you interested in going as an invite to any camp in the NBA? Did you have that chance? I did. Um, you know, my, my senior night, my senior year, I was having a magical senior year. I, I really played great, probably beyond what I even thought I could do for myself. I really finished strong, made all ACC. My last game as a senior, I broke my foot on senior night playing against North Carolina. Wow. Uh, fifth metatarsal. I tried to play um, in the NCAA tournament. We played Eastern Michigan with Earl Boykins, oh, yeah. Derek Dial. Yep. You know, really good team. When and, I was doing Michigan, they actually beat yeah. the Wolverines at Chrysler Arena. Really good team. A couple NBA guys. Ben Braun was yeah, their oh, coach, yeah. outstanding coach. And they beat us. It was an 8-9 game. They beat us in the first round. I tried to play hurt, just couldn't couldn't really do much. As soon as my season ended, I had to have surgery to, to put a screw in my foot. And I really I missed out on the, the – I had gotten invited to the pre-draft combine, the summer league, all that. I missed all that. So what I did was I went overseas for a year, actually played in Helsinki, Finland. Wow. And it was unbelievable going away for the first time, new country by myself. Used it as kind of a rehab, uh, you know, coming back off a broken foot. Went over there, had a really good season, led the league in scoring, played well, got my confidence back. And then when I came back that second year, I was invited to Minnesota Timberwolves vet camp. And, you know, God rest his soul, Flip Saunders was the coach. Um, that was Stefan Marbury, Garnett, Gugliata, huh. you know, those guys, a really good team. Terry Porter was on that team, Sam Mitchell, yeah. you know, they had, they had a good team, playoff team in the West. And I went into camp with no expectations other than, man, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. And there was 20 guys, uh, who started training camp and then, Little by little, I just kept hanging around, and I got some time in some of the preseason games. I shot the ball well. I played well, and every couple days, another guy would get cut, and, and I was still there. And I went from, like, zero expectations of having a chance to make the team to now there's two days before the regular season, and I'm still there. And I'll never forget, like, the heartbreak in that because – now all of a sudden I think I'm going to make the team because you know we're you're looking at the numbers yeah. and I see like there's 15 guys left and I'm still here and they don't have to cut anyone and you know obviously as things happen um, I'll never forget it the the last day the rosters had to be in there was a really good guard out of Louisville a guy named Dewan Wheat and he had been let go from the Lakers camp as a second round pick. And so the T Wolf, they brought me in the day of rosters being submitted and let me go and signed him. Wow. So uh, that was kind of the my my NBA dream. And and you know what? It, it was I was at peace because I knew I gave everything I had. And I was kind of at a crossroads at the end of that because I'd played in Europe and it was fun, but I missed home. You know, I missed being able to watch games. It's such a different time then than it is now with sure. you, you just couldn't see games. Right. You were you were just gone. And there was no connection back in the US. And so I really didn't want to go back overseas. The 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 CBA at the time wasn't like what the D League is now. It was very unstable and Your chances are had the D League been the D League. I probably would have I probably would have kept playing. Sure. But so I was I was really at a crossroads, like what do I do? Do I keep this thing going? And I, I had a unique opportunity. My dad was the coach of the Pistons at the time. And so I went back to Detroit and I was just trying to figure out my next move. And while that time was going on, they uh, acquired a WNBA franchise, the Detroit Shock. And they hired Nancy Lieberman mm -hmm. to be the very first coach and general manager. And I was just hanging around and, and they came to me, the Pistons organization, and they said, you know, we would love for you to be an assistant coach. 
on on the on the team and kind of you know see if you like coaching and your experience I think would be great with the women and you're young and you've you've just played and and that's how I got into coaching and it's crazy how, how that's how, how it that all started coaching a women's team you know I was a little bit leery coming in but and not because I didn't respect my sister was a division one college basketball player she Kelly, played, yeah. played at Lehigh mm-hmm. and um, so I grew up watching her and she played on great AAU teams with great you know so I always respected women's basketball but you know it's a different it's just different, yeah. you know. I'd, I'd been in the men's game, and and I'd never coached, so I, I really didn't know what to expect, and uh, I loved it. I mean, I loved that summer. We we had a great time. We were an expansion team. We had a bunch of young players mixed in with some veterans, and you know, traveling around NBA cities, and I, that's where I learned how to do scouting reports. You know, that's how I learned how to really get out on the floor and and learn how to work with players because I knew how to do it as a player, but it's different when you're teaching it. Sure. So that summer was so instrumental in me really developing a passion for wanting to coach. And, you know, I always, I, I never, when people say, where does it all start for you? I always it's 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 being the coach on the shock that summer because it, it it went a long way towards me eventually being where I am now. Interesting. So you get an assistance job at Seton Hall, and quickly, all of a sudden, it's a quick turnaround. You're back at Duke. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Chris, and because I want to talk about Northwestern and all the exciting things that are going to happen on here on campus. You're at Duke. Your name's mentioned probably about the fourth, fifth, sixth year that you're on the bench. You know, you present yourself well. Obviously, our listeners can tell through our podcast, you're very well spoken. You have a great foundation. So how do you know, okay, I'm going after that job, or you know what, I need to stay here another year? How do you know? No, it's a great question. You know, I've always been a big guy based on feel and and gut feel and knowing when you just feel when the time is right. I loved what I was doing at Duke, and I was so indebted to Coach K because he gave us as assistants. We had a great staff. It was me, Wojo, and Johnny Dawkins. As a th- we all went on to Johnny was at Stanford. He's now at Central Florida. Wojo's doing a great job at Marquette. Um, we had a great dynamic, the three of us. Coach K gave us an amazing amount of responsibility. We did. I felt like I was doing everything that a head coach got to do. He didn't micromanage. He let us coach and practice. He let us speak to the team before games. He let us be active during games. We did a lot of the media stuff with radio shows, halftime interviews. I mean, I basically felt like I was a head coach. Um, I kind of knew I was fully ready with my experience with the USA national team. Um, coach K had me involved with the program for eight years. Uh, started in 06 when, when he was first named coach, and I was with them through the 2012 Olympics in London. And so I, I got to work on that staff uh, alongside some amazing coaches and and it's it's interesting uh, just being in those practices, and I'll never forget. It's one of my favorite stories in life. Uh, we were going to the first practice of the USA team, and Coach K told me the night before, like I'm gonna, there's gonna be a half hour segment of practice, and I want Chris, I want you to work with all the guards, and I want you to work them out. Let's get shots up. Let's work on things. Let's let's do individual skill instruction with these guys. And I said, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Then you get to the gym the next day. And the time for that segment came, and they start they start saying the names out loud of who's coming to my end. So they go, all right, down there with Coach Collins, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, <laughs> Darren Williams, you know. And and it kind of hit me like this is this is no joke. Yeah. And I was nervous. I was scared. There was a pit in my stomach, you know, my throat, you know, all those feelings that we all have when you have a little anxiety. And I just kind of had a little quick talk with myself like, you know what, 
I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to believe in what I'm doing, and I'm going to just I'm just going to go for it. And those guys responded to it. And I got to my hotel room that night, and obviously I'm pinching myself. Like, I can't believe for a half hour I just got to work yeah. out the best of the best. But it gave me the confidence, like, man, those guys were listening to me. They were eat, taking in what I was saying. It gave me amazing confidence as a coach to know, like, you know what, I, I really can do this. And from that time, kind of time on, all I was really waiting for was the right opportunity and the right fit. And it, I never kind of earmarked one school. I didn't know what that was going to be. I wanted to go somewhere that that valued academics because I had that at Duke and I love those kind of kids. I wanted to work with good kids and coach good kids. And I wanted to stay at a high level if I could because I wanted to, you know, compete against the best. Other than that, I really didn't have a wish list. And that's why it was so exciting that a place like Northwestern came calling because not only those things, but it was home. You know, I grew up here. So when the job opened up, did you say, I'm going after it? I'm, I'm, I'm going after it. I'm having Coach K pick up the phone. And when Coach K picks up the phone, people return calls. Yeah, I had that feeling, you know, when it did come, when it, when it came open, I saw it on the scroll that, that they had made a change. You know, I kind of had a feeling like this is it. Like, I think this is the one. And you can't really describe it when you get those feelings. I'm sure, sure. the decisions you've made with yep. going from Michigan to Toronto to back to Chicago, yep. you just feel yep. what you should, where you should be. And so when I saw that, I did get that feeling. Um, you know, Coach K actually called me before I could call him. And he had just seen the news as well. And he said, this is the one. You know, he said, if I was a young coach, man, this is such a great opportunity. Great school, great athletic director. You know, they, they really haven't done it to the level that they've wanted to. And, and the time is right. And, and it's your hometown. Like, this is the one for you. And I agreed. And fortunately, there was great interest on on their part, and and that's kind of how this whole thing started. And uh, it happens pretty quick. People don't realize, and coaching carousel type, you know, it's you don't have a whole lot of time. You get contacted, you meet with people, and and one thing and, leads to another, and, you're, and, and it's over. <laughs> so, so why should a kid? Because as you know, you recruit at the highest level. I mean, yeah. you know, you get a you're recruiting at Duke. I mean, chances are they're in the mix with North Carolina about five or six of the blue chip schools in this country. Mm -hmm. So when a kid visits Northwestern or when you're aggressive, of course, you're going out to see a kid, why should they play for Chris Collins and Northwestern? Well, you know, we're still in the process of building the program that we want. I'm really proud of the, the, the three years. Um, you know, I, I just want guys to play. Like the reason I came to Northwestern, that's why I want guys to want to come to Northwestern. I came here because I felt it was an amazing opportunity to do something special that had never been done. And even though people had said to me, some people were leery, why would you go there? You know, there, a lot of coaches have gone through there and it hasn't worked and, you know, they've made changes. Why, why uh, you know, just people who care about you, they're, they're worried that they don't want you to get in a situation where you can't succeed. And, you know, to me, that Did, was- do, Were people saying, Chris, hold on. Maybe sure, we sure. need to rethink this. Sure, you know, and sure, I got that from some of the people closest to me around me, just because you've seen now the history. They haven't been to right, the NCAA right. tournaments since what, nineteen thirty-three? Ever, 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 never been. So well, you're going to be the first one. So that, and and you You'll know be what, like the Cubs, yeah, and the Cubs, <laughs> and that's why it's been fun. I mean, those are the dreams that I have, and and really, we it goes back to about ten minutes ago when we were talking. You talked about going to a high school that had never done, it, and that's and to see what we did at Glenbrook North, and it just. This was kind of another, you know, to be able to come back to Chicago, a place that I just love, a place that embraces their own, 
Um, I love raising my family here in this school, uh, the academic component, being in this city, being in the Big Ten. And then when I met with the, the president and AD and I saw a fire in them, a, competitive, a competitiveness in them to want to do this and do it right and to really build a program, you know, I thought it was an amazing opportunity. And, and you know what? Was I a little bit scared? Was I a little bit nervous? Absolutely. But to me, that's healthy. You know, anything I've done, I was scared to go to Duke as a player. You know, I was I was scared it might not work at Glenbrook. Like that's healthy, and 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 it's okay to be a little nervous. It's okay to be a little scared, but in no way, shape, or form did it change my belief that 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 we could do something here. And 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 that's all I want. How close are you, Chris? I think we're very close. You know, I, I look at even our past year. I'm I'm so indebted to the guys who, when I first got the job with my staff, it took a lot of courage for some guys to to say yes. You know, it's. You know, guys that had offers from a lot of other Big Ten schools and, and schools with tradi- tradition and winning cultures and all those things. And we were able to get a group of guys that came in here as young guys and believed in me, believed in my vision, believed in the same thing that I believe in this place. And we've gotten better each year. You know, um, you know, we this past year we won 20 ball games, which I think is a record for a regular season at Northwestern. And I look at it like we're right on that cliff of busting through the door. And... You know, we got to just be a little bit tougher mentally. We we got to close out games a little bit better, and I think if we do, it's it's there for us this year. And and I have to have that goal because I don't want to ever come into a season not having that goal that this mm-hmm. is the year. I think I'll get out if I don't have that goal. And I think we're very close. I think we have enough talent. I think we have enough veterans. And but it's not easy. I mean, the Big Ten, as you know, is is a monster, and there's great coaches, great programs, and. In order to do that, you have to be very good and very tough, and, and that's what we're trying to do. So your, your father, of course, uh, has uh, an association not only because you're a son, but also he has embraced Northwestern. You see him wear Northwestern colors on national TV. He speaks very <laughs> highly of the program of the school. So when he watches a game, uh, does he take a step back after the game before you have that conversation, or does that conversation wait 24, 48 hours, or don't you have a conversation? No, we have conversations, but it, it's interesting. Never once is it X and O based. You know, he never, never X and O's, never X so and O's. So he won't say, "Listen, you took a timeout with three thirteen to go." Yeah, and you made this sub, and what was going? Yeah, that- we. He doesn't. He never questions my decision making with that kind of stuff. What What he's been a great resource for me is, you know, he took over three situations in the NBA that that all were kind of building projects. Mm-hmm. You know, when he came to the Bulls, they were a thirty win team. Yep. You know, now you had Michael, but you know that was about it. Yep. And. You know, he built him up to, you know, an Eastern Conference finalist in a 50-win team. games in Detroit, improved Washington by 18 games. Yeah, I mean, that's what he'd always done. So he's been a great resource for me um, with just the mentality it takes to build. You know, that there's going to be tough times. You're going to run into the wall sometimes. There's going to be great moments. Can never be too high. Can never be too low. You know, what are some things that he did through the years to kind of build that winning culture, that winning mentality. So, he's, but, do, but do you get low after a loss? Of course, and I want to. I do get low. and So do you have to do losing you heart? Yeah. Because you've got a beautiful family <laughs> yeah. to say, I need a space here for about an hour. I do, you know, and, and they're so good. My family knows me. They know how competitive I am. 
they know, my wife knows, everybody knows after a loss to be supportive, but kind of just leave, you know, let me be alone yeah. a little bit and let me kind of figure it out and, and, and I'll come back. I mean, I'm pretty resilient. Um, I'll bounce back, but but I after a loss, a loss is hurt. I mean, I pride myself on, I'm where I am because of being a competitor. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I was never the best athlete. I was never the, the best jumper, the best, I was tough, I was competitive, I was smart. Um, and that's why I made it. And, you know, that's what I try to be as a coach. And so for me, I don't want the losing to ever not hurt. Like to me, that's a big thing. If, if the losing gets numb, then, then I got to get out because what drives me is the way you feel after a loss and how fired you up you are to get back out there and try to turn that into a win. Chris, uh, before I let you go, this has been terrific, and I know our fans are enjoying our conversation. On campus with the basketball facility, what's going on here? Oh, it's awesome. So, you know, the we just we just unveiled, um, you know, plans uh, to open up complete brand new facilities for basketball uh, offices, practice gym, um, you know, locker rooms, arena, uh, just a complete renovation of our current facilities. That uh, at the end of this current season, this will be our last season in our current place. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna completely renovate Welsh Ryan, make it make it beautiful, brand new. Keep keep our we're gonna keep it small, keep it intimate because that's who we are. But but it'll be a top of the line facility, and I think it's a real game changer for us. I'm I'm indebted to the administration because everything they said when I talked to them, they followed up on. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've given me the resources now to go out and build a program, and and this is just the latest. And and I'm excited. It'll be a one year project, so we'll figure out for a year. We'll have to find another home uh, next season. But but the start of the 2018 season, we'll have a, a brand new facility, and I think uh, it's there's some great things on the horizon for Northwestern basketball. Wow, fantastic. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Chuck. Thanks for listening to today's show. Lexus is indeed a proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. You can visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see the new 2017 Lexus IS. It makes a statement even before you start the engine. Subscribe to Time Out Bulls on iTunes and Google Play. And if you'd like what you heard, leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another great guest. Until next time, this is Chuck Swirsky. Thanks for listening to Time Out Bulls.